like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means? You are listening to the mystery of parenthood, and uh, we would like you to slow down and um, join us as we um, we talk about things Catholic and things parenting. But um, we'll begin as we always do uh, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Howdy, y'all. We're back again. I'm with Thaddeus. uh, Good afternoon, Trey. How are you doing, Thaddeus? I am doing great. Um, Good to be with you in the studios. Yeah, it's good to be back in the swing. It's always um, therapeutic for me to have to think about things other than banking. But... but, um, Anyway, I we were we were talking earlier, and this has been something I'm kind of probably going to share a little bit of kind of what I've been chewing on for really a long time now. But I think it 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 fits not just in these times, but in general that we as Catholics. Um, it's interesting you use that word chewing on since oh, we just yeah. came off yeah. of uh, the feast of Corpus Christi, and right a lot of probably a lot of sermons that people heard about. The word that Christ used, right? The for for John when he's six explaining if you eat, you know, mm-hmm. must eat of but my flesh is real food, right? And that's how he was trying to help the the Jews not miss what he was saying, right? Not not miss him, absolutely. And that's kind of your theme that's my for thing today, today right? and that's right. You're you're so good. You're <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, it, it. I think I think one of the one of the themes that's been challenging me, and I think should be challenging all of us um and i think it's it is it is at least one of the themes that is throughout the bible but certainly it is made even more evident um as you look through scripture and that that people miss god and it's a, it, it makes sense for us to talk about that because he's here today and we have to look at this. And so with Scripture and some discussions, I think, you know, just some thoughts that have come by me, the, the ways that we miss him um, in this world and trying to reopen our eyes um, with the eyes of faith uh, to recognize him at work. I, we all need to be reminded that he hasn't left us. He's not uh, even in the in, in these struggling times, he has not left us. In fact, we may find later that he's even more present <laughs> to us w- because so many of us need him in, in these challenging times. So, so the theme will be that how frequently we miss him, how frequently we, in the broadest context of just humanity, miss him. Um, in other words, he's there but we don't recognize them as being there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I was looking— And I think we've all had a practical experience in, uh, of those kind of times, of those kind of moments, of not— Yeah, no, I, I think 
and sometimes you don't recognize him until later, mm-hmm. or you don't recognize that he's there. The trick is, or not the trick, is that maybe it is not a trick is probably the bad, not a, not the best word, but I think it's important to challenge ourselves to recognize, to, to say he is at work daily in our lives and that we need to kind of challenge ourselves because it's really easy to pick up the stuff that's just right in front of your nose. But we have to have, because we believe in the visible and the invisible and that's at the center of the definition of a sacrament, but it's also at the center of what it means to be human. Um, anyway, so he doesn't, we miss him because he doesn't come in the way we expect him and he doesn't speak in the way that we expect him to speak. And so we miss him. You know, he comes to us today. He comes every day to each one of us and he tries to speak to us, but we've got to really work at listening for him. So one of the first ones that came to mind that, that, that was I was chewing on is the in First Kings 18 is when Elijah, basically what that is, is, you know, he, he's, God is showing up and he's looking for God and he's wanting to listen and, and, and an earthquake happens, you know, and all these major events and, and but God's not there. And then he, um, he says that, he says that, um, he was in the still small voice or, and, and that, that points us to the fact that part of getting ready to hear him, and I, there's been lots of writing on this, requires that we are silent. We can, we can hear the thunder. We can hear the earthquake. We can, we can see the fire. The, but he tends to speak in the depths of our being. And so that requires that to be a person who at least has the opportunity to not miss him. Um, it, oh, it's 19. To not miss him. Yeah, there it is. It says, I wrote it down incorrectly. but. Um, right verses, wrong book, but I mean, wrong chapter. Um, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount. This is before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broken pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire, a still small voice. And that's where God is. And I think that points us to the fact we, we, we tend to like where it's super obvious, you know. <laughs> we like him to be loud and, and just a booming voice. But he wants us to, to settle down and listen for that still small voice. So we, we have to make time. We have to challenge our children to listen for that still small voice, the one that, that requires for us to be in silence. Um, you can't, you can hear the thunder. You can hear all those things. You can see the fire. You can, you can feel the earthquake. You can feel the wind and all the damage that the wind does, but he's in that still small voice. And so, um, I think it's really important that we make time for prayer. So I think in order to not miss him, one of the first things is we need to be listening for him, um, to speak with us. Um, and then I think another thing that's important is if you look at like first Samuel, um, which is before this, that, uh, let me see if I've got this first Samuel 16, it, this points to the fact that, that God does not, um, hopefully I wrote this down correctly. Um, he does not, yeah, so the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance. So this is when he's looking for David. Do not look on his appearance or on the height or on his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearances, but the Lord looks to the heart, the part that can't be seen. So he is not seeing as we see. And so if we want to get in touch with him and him being aware, we have to make sure that we are realizing he's not going to appear to us in a way that we want them to. I mean, um, and he says, you know, what is like, I've got also first Samuel 17, 47. Um, 
that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the Lord battle he will give them into your hand. He, so we want to fight with sword and spear, but he's going to deliver them from the battle, but he's not going to use the means that we would use the way that we would do it. So he acts differently than we expect. Yet he's always faithful. He's always speaking. He doesn't see people or, or events the way that we see them. And, and because of that, if we hang on to the way we want him to appear, if we hang on to the way that we would expect him to appear, then we limit, if we, we limit the ability for us to see him at work in our lives. So even today, I think it's important to recognize that as you know, this is going on, all the terrible events from from COVID nineteen to to the riots to everything that's happening, that while nothing that's evil and certainly the violence that's happening is that he's he's permitting that to happen. But can we step back and recognize that he's even at work in this? He works all things together for the good of those who love him, but. He's not going to work it out the way necessarily that we'd like it to be handled. He's not going to use a sword and a spear. When I think of, I think of John Paul II with, you know, how did he attack communism, you know? I mean, he did not attack it the way because I think he was more in tune with the way God wants to handle things. The way God wants to handle things is through individuals with love hanging on to truth, all, all of those things, but it's a different process and it's not the human understanding. So even, you know, we have to understand that in, in the midst of this, that God can be at work. We have to be in prayer and we have to be looking for him. Um, anyway, he works. So, I mean, like even back before I'd written down this, you know, Exodus uh, 14, 13 through 14 says, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. So hmm. in, in, in <laughs> we want to be doers and, and we're meant to do, but, but we want to be doers and active and feel like we're in control. And it is not the way that he typically works. Um, Exodus fifteen three. You know the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. This is the God who is our God, and He does act on our behalf. You know, I've never talked about it. I don't think I've talked about it on this, but I I wear a wristband. You know that says "Trust God, do good, and He will act." So okay. you got to trust. You have to trust that He's going to do it. I mean, the trust that He what He says He's going to do. He's going to do. And that you have to do the good that's called upon us. But think about this. So another place where he's missed. I mean, I love to talk about the the feeding of the five thousand. Right? We yes. look. At, we yes, look, you do. We look. We look at. We look at the situation from human eyes. Five thousand men, not including the women and children, a huge crowd, and he says feed them. And he said, well, we need to let them go so they can go back and feed themselves. He said, feed them yourselves. To which, from a human standpoint, it's like, well, I mean, all we've got here is, what, five loaves, two fish? Yep. <laughs> um, not very much. Not very much. Not enough to probably even feed the 12 of us and Jesus. I mean, it's not even that much. Right. But he says, we'll have them go sit down and give me what you have. And I, and I, it seems to me that part of missing him is that he asks us to do, we always, we also think that we have to do great things, but oftentimes it's just the offering of the little thing that he can magnify and multiply like he does with that. Amen. And I, and I think that, you know, another one that I love is when the, the tax collectors come and say, do y'all pay taxes? I mean, think about this. Do you pay taxes? And Peter says, of course, let me go talk to him, you know, and he says, yes. Yeah. So this is a fisherman he's talking to. He says, go cast a hook in the first fish you catch, reach inside of its mouth, and there will be the two coins, one for me and one for you to pay that tax. Now, I mean, it'd be one thing if he said do something else. I mean, this guy's been fishing his entire life. 
how many times do you think he's caught a fish that had two coins in his mouth, yet he goes and does it? A small thing, not even cast a net. He's just like, go cast a hook, and the first thing you catch, do it. Very small thing handles the tax. Go back out into the deep and cast again. Lord, we've been here all night. You know, my human understanding says makes no sense. Just go do it. Okay, yet because you say it, I will do it. And he casts the net over, and it's a catch to end all catches. Right. So they're all small asks. And I think sometimes, I mean, I know I do, you tend to want to say it's got to be a big thing. Right. When that's not really what the Scripture says. It's do the thing that you're asked to do. No matter how small he can multiply it, no matter how small he can magnify it, no matter how small, if done in trust, that what he says is right, that what he says is true, that what he says is good for me, if he says that to me, then just do the small thing. And here's the good news for just a family, is most of our life is small stuff. Thank God. Yes. Most of our stuff is small stuff. Yet we know that if we're married married with children, that some of that small stuff in the eyes of the world may not be a big deal. But taking 10 minutes with your child to, hey, how are you doing? Or to help with the homework or to to find out what your wife needs or your husband needs and and do it without asking, you know, do the dishes or sweep the room or whatever it is, that's the doing good. So if you trust God, he's put me in this marriage. It's a sacrament. I'm meant to do this. And you do good, which is not necessarily at that point laying down your life. It could be just a small thing, helping with the kids, changing a diaper, whatever, he will act and he will be there. I think we miss him because we tend to push aside these small things, the, the still small voice. The, and I think it's so important to remind ourselves as Christians that he's at work in those things. And he does not typically ask a lot of us other than to trust him. I mean, now trusting is not easy. That's a lot. But, I mean, most of the time when he's asking us to do something, it's the little thing that's in front of you that you don't want to do because it's a little thing and it's a nuisance. Do it in faith. Trust that he's got you there doing that. So I think that's at least the beginning of why we miss him. We don't take time to try to listen because he's not coming in the earthquake. He's coming in the still small voice. He doesn't tend to act the way that we think. He he wants sword and spear and just I mean we want the sword and the spear and you know rain down. Can we should we call thunder down from from heaven? You know to do that. No, that's not the way he typically acts. He could, but he doesn't. And then he he acts in mysterious ways that just ask for little acts of faith, little steps. That's a big step if you're a fisherman and he says go cast a hook. I mean, I can't imagine him, Peter, not going, wait a second. <laughs> I've been fishing for years. You're telling me the first fish I cook, I, can't, I hook, I'm going to pick up, and there's going to be enough to pay the taxes in it? Uh, you sure that's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but again, it's a small thing. It's not like go catch 100 of them and, and sift through them. And so we have to be willing to trust him and act, but he's got to put us in a situation. We've got to allow ourselves to be put in a situation where we're willing to give up control and say, okay, you handle it your way. Um, and that's, that's, I think, what's difficult. But I think we miss him when we try to control too much, when we don't surrender enough. That doesn't mean you don't do something. You've got to cast the hook. <laughs> you got to throw the net on the other side into the deep. You've right. got, you got to give him the five loaves and two fish. You got to do that. But he's, I'm always amazed. He doesn't usually ask for a lot. I mean, but what he does ask are small trusting. I'm going to do this because you said that was it. So anyway, I think maybe that maybe frames that a little bit. Um, so faith is what's required. It's got to be our response. 
and I love Hebrews, you know, eleven one says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen." Again, we hear those words that refl- that, that that our senses do us harm sometimes because we we focus so much on what's in front of us and don't see um, him at work there. And and without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So part of that going to prayer life, part of the, that doing the small things is not only believing that he exists, but trusting that if you if you do, that he will reward you. He will act in that moment. So if we ask for that, and then 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so don't you think part of the struggle is, I mean, we see the difficulties in front of us, the major walls that stand in front of us. Sure. Whether it's our attachment and and having, that's why I think it's so important, you know, the, the Divine Mercy Chaplet I think is, is a prayer that needs to be prayed. Jesus, I trust in you. In particular, when we see something in front of us. So our, we should be teaching our kids, at least, Jesus, I trust in you. I've said it before. My mom was dying. She, she was dying very sick on a ventilator and and I remember my my mother my my grandmother that's all that's all she said uh, Jesus I trust in you that's I mean that was her prayer oh my nonstop and then and then she recovered my mom recovered from that from that bout and uh, lived another couple of years but I, but I remember that being the witness of of a mother sitting there yes. realizing she can't do anything but she can do that little thing she can repeat over and over, Jesus, I trust in you. So that, that may be the little thing. That may be the casting the hook. That may just be cast on the other side. But the, the, listen for that and, and trust that he's going to act. Um, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going through some of these verses that I think all point us to, the, to some of what we've talked about for years on this show with regard to that. But like Romans 8, 23, 25, you know, we wait for the adoption of his sons, the redemption we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So again, there's something about not seeing. One of my favorite is Second um, Corinthians 4, which which is, so we do not lose hope. Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And here's the key. Because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So that's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So, again, invisible is really where the truth and the everlasting lies. And I think this world is so caught up in, listen, science is extraordinarily important and we can learn a great deal. But to the extent that we just dismiss that from which we, that for which we hope for, uh, the spiritual side, the unseen, the invisible that is in existence, if we, if we leave that out, then we're at a loss because that's not what we say, but that's, we have to be looking for him at work. So again, I've always, we've talked about this with our kids. If you have young kids, we should be talking to them about the fact that they have a guardian angel. I'm frequently, even recently, I said, you know, we were six of us sitting in our living room and I said, you know, here's the reality. There's at least six other angels sitting here with us right now. (laughs) At least we don't see them. But it's a fact that they're there, and we need to engage them. So as little kids, when we pray to the invisible God, we are pointing them in the direction that there is something beyond what we see, what we touch, what we taste, that is real and substantial. And just as a credit to you, you weren't talking to little kids about no. guardian angels. You were talking to college absolutely. Age. Yes. children. I sent a, I saw I, there was a great this is a little bit of digress but it but there was a great thing on on guardian angels and the fact that that 
number one, you know, we, I've heard, I don't forget who talks about this, but they are assigned to, we have one, I have one assigned to me. I should be talking to my guardian angel every day. Help me, protect me, steer me clear of things that I need to steer, make me, give me the, you know, pray for me to do that. I've got somebody, you know, we ask all these other people to pray for us when we have problems. We need to ask that guardian angel is charged with getting us to heaven. That's what he wants. That's what his assignment is. And so we have to, as Christians, as Catholic Christians, um, to make sure that we are reminding ourselves and our children at every age. I actually sent the article to one of my, to one of my, already out working by herself and said, Hey, read this. I think you'll, you'll like this. And it was just talking about the need to engage daily our guardian angels. So, but that's because you've, you and Stephanie have constantly taught your children this way as they have gotten older and you've gradually expanded, you know, expanded it and increased the sophistication of what you're, you're talking about. Those angels, I mean, angels are, they're messengers. That's what the name means. But they're they so they're they're trying to reach us. But they're they are I won't use the word. They're pretty tough. They're they are they are warriors on our behalf. You know, I mean they they're they're not these little you know cute little flying around mm-hmm. you know with a little bitty arrow. I mean they they are capable of doing great things on our behalf, and we have the guarantee that they're with us and their assignment is to get us to heaven. I mean, (laughs) so we have that working for us to not be saying the guardian angel, you know, guardian angel prayer when they're really little and then continuing as you go to just say, do you realize there's this invisible reality that is actually really at work. So no matter what it looks like, no matter it looks like there's 5,000 people out there, how are we going to feed them? <laughs> God is at work and, and his angel is here helping us to give us courage, to give us strength, to direct us. And I, we have to, that's another thing we have to trust. That's a gift from God that is guaranteed. So why wouldn't we tell our kids? And particularly when they're older, <laughs> call on them, the saints that, that are out there, the ones you have devotion to. I've got a picture of Teresa Lassoux that I look at every when I go to my office, it's, but nobody would know who she was. It's when she was a little girl. Yeah. And it looks, people say, who's that? Is, you know, is that your, you know, grandmother or mother when she was little? I said, no, that's St. Teresa Lassoux. I mean, I want to see her as that little girl. You know, that's a beautiful uh, picture. I know exactly the picture. You're right. Talking it's about. just, a, it's, you know, it's not even two inches tall, but it's right underneath my um, monitor. So I see her when I look, when I look there, but she's there also. And so that is something that as kids are growing up, they need to, but don't, don't stop, you know, when they're too old for this, that was nice for young kids. No, it's what we should at 55 years old, I should be asking my guardian angel regularly. There's been quite a few times recently where I said, I'm sorry, I haven't consulted you. I haven't, I haven't talked, you know, I mean, I know you're here. I'm sorry. I'm kind of not right. paying attention. Right. Right. So I think that's really important for us to do um, that. Um, the other thing that I think is important is that invisible reality, whatever that invisible reality, I'm not, and that, of course, that's the term that's used in sacraments is always connected, is typically connected, not, not necessarily in the, and we're talking about angels, but a lot, many of the invisible realities are connected to a visible reality. In other words, there's, it's not like it's either or. We right. as human beings, I mean, we have a soul, which is not seeable. It would be invisible. When, when we die, it leaves our body, but there's something invisible in us that, can't be seen by anybody, but is nonetheless real. And in fact, it is the form of us. It's why we are the way it's our intellect, it's our will. So to remember that as well, 
But I carry it even a bit further. This is the one that struck me. First John, he says, talking about this connection between what we see and what we what we don't see in this connection between it says, if anyone this is St. John, first John four twenty. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. How nice and politically correct that is. <laughs> he is a liar. For he who does does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That I mean, it can't be any more clear that that the people in front of us are the people we're called to love, and that is actually a way of loving God. Um, carry that forward. I mean, carry that forward. Look at the last judgment again. How do we miss him? So we miss him in the person that we run into. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 is the last judgment. And he's separating the sheep from the goats. And there is and there is a um there is this separation, and he says, you know, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Or as you did not, did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And the ones that did it, is the judgment's based on, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. You know, when I was in prison, you visited me. You know, all those things that are very corporal very bodily not trust and the people who go that become the goats their response is lord when did i see you thirsty and not give you something to drink and he uses those lines so he's actually attaching himself to other people when when do we see him so as parents we have to remember that our spouse is christ present to us <laughs> that our children are Christ present to exactly. us. That's, those are our brother that we, the brother and the sister the, that we have to see in him. Um, we have to do it. I mean, um, let's see, going on further, um, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. Mm-hmm. We, we are called to do something. Now, be really clear, just for anybody that's out there that's not had it, we are not earning our salvation. <laughs> we are working out our salvation. Our salvation is not possible. The only reason that we are possible to be saved, to get to heaven, is one reason and one reason only. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, rose from the dead, and provides us what we need to be able to do it, but we have to do something with it. Remember, trust God. We trust that he's provided the means of our salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, but we have to do the good. And we have to do it with fear and trembling. Like I said, Philippians 2, 3, we're working our salvation out in fear and trembling in and through our bodies. Um, So, very important um, that we do that. Again, you go further, James. So faith by itself, so just believing, if it has no works, is dead. Two seven, James 2.17. James 2.24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. James 2.24. James 2.26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. They're again, it's connected. So faith is what? Faith is in the invisible that we haven't seen. Faith is we don't faith is seeing God at work in our lives, recognizing that He's provided us with a Savior, the Savior of the world, to to do that. But that faith has to extend into works. Again, the works are not, we're not earning our way into salvation, as I tell my kids. If I do good works and, sep- and do not unite them and no, do not do it in the Spirit of Christ, if I just say, you know what, I'm going to leave Jesus out of this and I'm just going to do my stuff and, and do all the great things, um, if you deny Christ, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're not saved. We are saved because of what he accomplished, but he is 
allowing us and encourages us and gives us the graces we need to be him in this world. We can't just go hide our gift like the, again, another parable. You can't take what he's given and then go bury it. You know, we're lights, but, you know, lights on the top of a hill. We're, we're supposed to be seen as Christians. So we must do, um, but faith alone is not sufficient. How, um, he does way more, infinitely more than what we do. So he takes the little that we do and magnifies it, multiplies it. That's good news. But we as Catholics need to be able to explain that. And, and those verses are important to, to doing that, that we are going to be judged according to our works. But the only reason we're saved, <laughs> the only reason we're, we have salvation is because of what Christ accomplished on the cross for us um, in his life, passion, death, and resurrection. So, Can I take us back yeah. to... Uh... To the, the <clears throat> to the Old Testament, and sure, I want to get your yeah, go ahead. thoughts on something. Sure. Um, talking about not missing God and, and looking for Him and the fact that He is the invisible God, it brought me back to the book of Exodus and Moses' encounters right. with God. And, um, you know, it starts with the burning bush— and then he, so he, he sees, sees God, in a sense, with the burning bush, and then he goes up onto Mount Sinai, and I think uh, he's enveloped in cloud and smoke, right? right. right? And, and, and he has a manifestation of God that way. And then he produces the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, and, and those are, uh, I think, those are a seeing of God in a sense, you know? Right. That's God's law. Right. Um, and then he, in chapter 33, I'm looking at, um, this is now after the incident with the golden calf and they've escaped from, from Egypt. And um, he goes into the, to the tent of meeting, Moses does. Right. Um, and the column of cloud came and stood at the entrance with the Lord. And it says in verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a person speaks to a friend. Moses would then return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, never left the tent. And it goes on down to verse 18. And after all of these encounters with that Moses has had with God, he says to the Lord, Please let me see your glory. The Lord answered, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name, Lord, before you, I who show favor to whom I will, I who grant mercy to whom I will, but you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Here continued the Lord as a place near me where you shall station yourself on the rock. When my glory passes, I will set you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand so that you may see my back, but my face may not be seen. Huh. Um, so I, I guess what I'm thinking about there or is in one one way is we we, we just um never kind of never have enough um we're always kind of in need of having our faith renewed right because even after all of those very special encounters with the lord in the old testament moses is still says let me let me see your face and then there's this this interesting part about um, Moses being placed onto the rock, and then I guess that makes me think of Christ speaking with Peter about Peter being the rock. The rock. And there's a lot of yeah, I think this is parallels and foreshadowings there. Right, and so 
so that I, I mean, I hadn't really thought much about that, but I do think that there's that again says that you, you can't see my face. He has to see his glory, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what we know, and that kind of springboards us into um, into this, going kind of into the into the New Testament of way of where he's missed, and even into our day where he's missed is this God who has to hide him because he can't see his face actually takes on a face in the person of Christ mm-hmm. and and that we can look upon and we're called to look upon Christ's face and recognize that and that I, I is it Saint Irenaeus I think that says the glory of God is man fully alive so again God is such utter glory that in face and we're and that's what's that's what heaven will be heaven will be the beatific vision we will see him as he is not behind this veil but in the interim in in much the same way on this side of the veil we have to recognize that he's in those people that we see this invisible god and he's saying okay if you if you if you want to love me you have to love the person that i put in your way Mm-hmm. <laughs> a kid, a, a friend, a coworker, a stranger. child, spouse, stranger, whoever. You, if you have to see him there, in right. order to see him on the other side, when you right. see him as he truly is. Right. So I, I, that's an interesting because because it just reveals how great his glory is. So much so that if we looked upon, if we were able to see him, that. We would nobody can see the face of God. I think that's what you know without dying. Well, God condescends. He 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 comes down and he actually puts a face and a body on a person. Mm-hmm. Well, it actually takes on <laughs> a, a face and a body in the person of Jesus Christ, so that we can see Him and that we can be in touch with Him. That those people back then were really hearing a a man who is also God, but a man who spoke like everybody else spoke in terms of, you know, the same, the same, (laughs) the same speech, the same mechanisms in the body that, that allow a a voice to go out of a, out of a body. And so it's really, really important, I think, for us to remember that this connection now in, in the New Testament um, allows us to see the glory when we, and part of being fully alive, I believe, is that we have the eyes of faith to make the connections to the best of our ability on this side of the veil, albeit faulty because of because we are sinful, but that we have the faith to recognize that God is in the person I run across, in the situation I find myself, and there he's making himself, and that the way that his grace works in me and in, in, in and through those people is the way that he brings glory to us. We, we don't think that way. I think that's not, I mean, if I was, you know, if I think if I was all powerful, omnipotent, all these things that, you know, this is how I would, you know, I would just strike those people dead or I would, you know, those bad people, you know, that that's not the way he works. Um, it's not the way he sees. Uh, and so I, I think it's a challenge um, that we have to confront ourselves with. But it's clear in Scripture that there is a connection between the people that we see and the God who we say we're supposed to love. I mean, in fact, that, that's, I mean, you think that's the great commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So even there, Jesus is bringing those things together Yep. Um, and, and uniting them. One of the things that I think is really interesting is if you look at the at the um, Good Samaritan, the 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 uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. It's always struck me. Basically, so who is my neighbor? He's asking. I mean, the people are asking like a human would normally ask. So who do I have to be good to? You know. Yeah. And and then he tells. What's this the story, least I can do? What's, yeah, kind of. Like, what's the bottom line? You know, like most of us do. And the interesting thing is, is when he ends it. All the, the 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 people that pass by and then the good Samaritan that takes him in, he says, which one of them 
has been neighbor. So that, so he's actually pointing to the action that determines that you're not effectively. He's saying anybody I run across is my neighbor. It's who acts like a neighbor to them that matters. So again, I think it's pointing to which one it's of not, these. So, yeah, it's not me. It's not me identifying who is my neighbor, but it's about me acting as neighbor to everyone I meet. Is, right, is what exactly. You're and it, but it, if you read that, it, it's he doesn't answer the question. I mean, I know exactly what they're thinking because I okay, say, who do I have to be nice to? Right. I mean, <laughs> because there's some people I don't want to be nice to, and if I don't have to, I won't. That's not what he's saying. Which one of these is is has been neighbor to the the person who was beat up? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it points to our need to do that towards other people. And so we misunderstand what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's not just who's, I mean, it's not, it's not about who, who's my neighbor. It's about me being a neighbor to somebody. So yeah, I, I also wanted to add, too, that to go back to the Exodus story, I think it's really a, a, a remarkable that, um, this encounter with the Lord comes after the golden calf incident. And right. what that made me think about is the incarnation and our church and, and our, our Catholic faith. You see a, a little inkling that of, of God saying, I see how, because I made you, I, I see that you have this need for a, a physical relationship or a physical manifestation of right. the eternal and the divine. And um, so I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to, you're not going to worship a golden calf. I'm, I'm going to come down and you're going to actually see me in flesh and blood like you. And then right. you're going to have this most holy sacrament of, of the altar. And you're going to have a religion that, um, puts a lot of stock in the uh, the smell, you know, the smells and the bells, the the sensory experience of worship. He, I think God takes our humanity way more seriously than we do. I mean, I, I the the beauty of it, the what it's meant for. I think there's a lot because it it can lead us into sin. People want, and, and there is something about being in you know, having self-control, but it's also meant for great good. And, and I think that he takes us our humanity because he recognizes it for what it is. It's made the image and likeness. And so I, I need to find it. I remember, but there's something along the lines that they, that in, I think in the Psalms where they talk about, you chose these created things that you named yourself in place of God, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're always reaching for the the lower things as opposed to that. And that, in fact, because every person we meet is Christ died for every person we meet, Christ in, wants that person to be in heaven with them. And every person we meet is somebody that we should, at least by our actions, hopefully with our words as well, be Christ to them because we recognize Christ in them. And again, I think that's where, I think it's a great prayer. I, I, I've said it for years with my kids, you know, Lord, grant me the grace to see you in the people I meet and in the circumstances in which I find myself and grant me the grace to be you in those, towards those people and in those circumstances. I think that that prayer is pointing us to this reality that we're talking about today, that there's this connection between this created world and the invisible world, and that we that God is speaking in a sense through what's going on um, and who we come in contact with and those type of things. And we need to reconnect with that reality and then recognize that that our humanity is meant to be the means of glorifying God on this side of the veil, that we're meant to take his grace and his grace will elevate us and we will uniquely, unrepeatably be our own if we become a saint. We'll be what we were created to be. We'll be completely unique, unlike anybody else, when we're completely in union with Christ. 
Um, so anyway, um, I think that that's I, we're gonna we're gonna talk and we're down to the, the end. What I want to do is maybe the next time we come together is talk about in the in the Bible or in the New Testament where what we can learn from where people um, miss Jesus. There's plenty of places in the Bible where they don't recognize him for who he is. Um, and then there's small segments that do, but the vast majority completely miss him and that try to extend those different wet places into this life. And Or, and or they, they try to place kind of limits on what he can be or who he can be. I'm, exactly. I'm thinking of the the people in Nazareth who say, well, th- this is Joseph's carpenter's son. This can't be. Right. Because, I mean, I knew the him Messiah. when he was growing up. Yeah. Right. I mean, and and all of that, I think, can help us going forward. But but I think we laid the groundwork on, on, on the fact that we as Catholic Christians need to do a really good job of reminding ourselves and reminding our children that there's this invisible reality that's going alongside, inside everything that we do every day. And we need to have our hearts and minds and, and the eye of faith open that we can do that. So anyway, hope that was uh, fun. You're, you're getting inside the crazy head of Trey Cashin. But um, anyway, remember, um, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.